Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 34, I'm reading in the Passion Translation. Good to see that everybody didn't go away on the long weekend. I want to encourage you next week, turn to somebody and say you got homework. Okay, so next week I want you to read Mark chapter 6. We are traveling through the book of Mark together. Amen. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 34, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet. And he pleaded with Jesus saying over and over, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she might be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged that is crowded in on Jesus. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but she was growing worse and worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she kept saying to herself, the Passion Translation says, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed from her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see the multitudes crowding and thronging around you. And you say, who touched me? Come on, man. That, that just, I just added that in. That has nothing to do with the scripture. And looked around to see who, to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. And told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, because you dared to believe. Tell the person next to you, you got to dare to believe. Your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be freed from your suffering. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Um, let's see. Camila, I'm going to borrow you in a moment. Is that all right? Okay, I want you to stay right there. I want to speak to you on the subject, the opportunity of proximity. The opportunity of proximity. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. As the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance that is in each and every one of us who are your saints. Help us to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who are believers because what's in us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And also I Again, borrow the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit and power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of Brian Green, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so um, I'm going to ask uh, Richard, seeing that you're there, I'm going to eventually ask you... Um, to be Jesus. Okay. So I want to make four points so you can follow where I'm going and you can know when I'm coming to the end. Okay. I want to talk to you about four main points, physical illness. Those of you taking notes, physical illness, psychological isolation, proximity to an opportunity, and prophetic rewiring. Physical illness, psychological isolation, proximity to an opportunity, and prophetic rewiring. I just want to encourage you to let you know that you are much closer, you are much closer to the blessing of God than you think. Now, my definition of blessing is to be empowered for success. Something is about to happen to you that is wonderful, but you, you have to be ready to receive what God has for you. Um, many of you who have watched football or basketball, you have seen when a person was not ready to receive the pass from which they were going to score. So I want you to be ready. I want your, your eyes. I want your eye. That wasn't me. I want your eyes on Jesus because he's, he is, he is working even though you don't see it. And that's why I pray that prayer that, that you will give unto us the spirit of revelation and the knowledge you let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts, our attitudes be enlightened so that we would know. Uh, this woman, uh, she, no, there are different um, uh, scholars' thoughts on what kind of illness she had, but the, the point is, is that she was bleeding out 
regularly for 12 years and the doctors could not find the cure. Are you following me? And you may say, well, that's a bad thing when you keep bleeding out. Um, and yes, but what was worse was not only did she have a physical illness, but that physical illness caused psychological isolation. Because what you may not know, and, and, and could you imagine this, um, according to the law, now you, you got to understand that um, we have a few lawyers in here, and, and Jamie's a lawyer, and, and so the rule of law is going to stand. Are you following me? And, and, and so the law back in those days, particularly in the Jewish uh, uh, culture, was the first five books in the Old Testament. Uh, written, they call the Law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, they're referred to as the five, five scrolls. If referred to as the Pentateuch. Uh, Penta meaning five and, and took meaning scrolls. So th that was considered a law. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, there was a law that said in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25 to 27, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, if a woman has a flow of blood for many days, or if the blood continues, she is ceremonially unclean. The woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. Verse 26, watch this. Any bed she lies on, any object she sits on during that time will also be unclean, just as during her normal menstrual period. If any of you, this is deep now, if any of you touch the things that she was sitting on or touch, you also will be ceremonially unclean. You must wash your clothes, bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until the evening, which simply means that if, if this happened this morning, you would not be allowed to go to church. If this happened this morning, that means anybody you touch would also not be allowed to go to church. Are you, are you hearing me? And so if I can, if I can borrow near, uh, uh, so if you were that woman, if, if I sent you out of church because you were unclean and, and, and someone sat in your seat unbeknownst, she would also have to leave. Or he would also have to leave. Folks, remember, the people who were responsible to yellow unclean so that no one would touch them were lepers. Imagine the psychological isolation she had because she knew she couldn't go into the synagogue to worship. She was declared unclean and she was so desperate that she realized I have to do something to get out of where I am see you need to understand the reason why she was so hesitant 
of telling people how she got healed is because before she was healed, she was unclean. So could you imagine standing next to this woman? Well, I'll use a woman. And you're rejoicing over the fact that she got healed. And then all of a sudden you find out what she got healed from. And now you're like, oh man, why you have to stand next to me? Could you imagine every time people look at you, they're like, I, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't be around you. Family holidays. Hey, it's good. No, 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 no. Hey, why don't you come over for dinner? No, I, I can't. Well, what's going on? Well, you know, I, 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 I can't. Isolated from family and friends, looking for a cure to get out of your situation, and there's no cure. So she hears somehow that Jesus is in town. Are you following me? Actually, Jesus is not in town. Somehow she hears that Jesus is in the area. Are you following me? Because in chapter in, in, uh, in chapter 5, Jesus has just come back from... Okay, so I'm going to draw this picture for you so you can see what the proximity to an opportunity means. Let me, let, me, let me talk to you about proximity and then let me show you what happens. And hopefully you'll see what God is doing for you, but you have to have your eyes open and you're going to have to press. The word proximity comes from a Latin word, uh, proximus, and it means uh, near. It means uh, not not far distant. So proxim proximus means near, not far distant. Are you with me so far? Uh, it means at hand. So when the Bible says the kingdom of God is at hand, it means within your reach. When something is prox uh, uh, proximately, proximately sorry, it's within your reach. This word proximus means close to. It means Almost. Are you tracking me so far? So when I say, hey, how long does it take to drive from this church to Boston? You, a person will say, ah, approximately, meaning ah, ad means toward, and proximus means near. So towards near, 15 minutes. That's a approximation. Are you following me so far? And so now, we have this woman uh, who, who she is close to an opportunity. I want you to picture how Jesus is setting you up for an opportunity. But you're going to have to recognize it and then you're going to have to press for it. 
Are you following me? So, Richard, why don't you, why don't you stand here? Or you, you can, yeah, you can stand there. That's fine. So, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Now, watch this. I'm Jairus. Are you with me? The name, the name Jairus means, uh, might be up there. Yep. Good. I don't have to. Jairus means one who, uh, he enlightens, meaning, watch this, he opens up. He lets in on, meaning that someone who couldn't get in was let in, was allowed in. But they wouldn't, but they wouldn't have got in without Jairus. Jairus opens up the way. So, watch this. Uh, Camille, could you just stand for a moment? Okay. So, Camille is the woman who has the blood issue. Are you following me? Jesus has just, for those of you who know the text, he goes, in chapter four, the end of chapter four, he goes says, let's go to the other side. They go over to the other side of um, the lake. There's a storm. Jesus hushes the storm. He meets this man who is demon possessed, who has thousands of demons in him. He casts out the demons. Uh, the demons say, don't cast us out of this area because we want to still control the area. So then he says, so they tell him, cast us, cast us in the what? Pigs, okay, you know the story. And what happened to the pigs? As soon as the demons went into the pigs, what happened? Okay, he, he they went over the cliffs and the people freaked out and, ba- and basically Jesus was bad for business. So they told him, get out of, no, get out of here. Not everybody wants Jesus in their e- area. So now Jesus comes back over to the other side of the, of the lake and he comes to uh, his headquarters, which is the city of Capernaum. Are you following me? And there are thousands of people, thousands of people thronging Jesus because they're, they're waiting for him. Okay? So you have this woman. You got to look a little, well, yeah, you probably look like you had 12 years of problems. That's good. <laughs> look look sad. I'm only kidding. Nope, not yet. Not yet. I'm going to get it to you. You know what? I'm going to give you something real good. Okay, so watch this. Jairus is the leader of the synagogue. He is a person of privilege. Are you following me? So Jairus is at the end of the line. There's a crowd and he sees Jesus because his daughter is sick and she's 12 years old. Interesting. And she's about to die. Are you following me so far? So Jairus, watch this. Jairus, as he's going through the crowd, he says, I'm the leader of the synagogue. Let me through. I'm the leader of the synagogue. Let me th- I'm the leader of the synagogue. Let me through. I'm the leader. He's, he's basically the, the, uh, executive administrator of the synagogue. So he's got, he's got privilege. People are going to clear the way for Jairus. That's why he was not waiting. I don't believe he was waiting 
at the shore in the front of the line for Jesus. I believe that because of his privilege, he was able to get to the front of the line. Are you with me? Now he falls to Jesus' feet and says, heal my daughter. And Jesus says, I'm going to come with you. Are you hearing me? This woman is so far in the back of the line, there's no way she's going to be able to get to Jesus. So Jesus knows that. So he just so happens to connect with Jairus and Jairus says, okay, could you come with me? So Jairus is opening up a way for this woman to have an opportunity through proximity. You only hear what I'm saying. She can't get to Jesus. Jesus knows that. So what he's going to do is he, he, he's going to follow Jairus and just so happen to come within her reach. Now she's got to decide how badly she wants to be healed. Now, five is the number of grace. How badly do you want this? Okay, okay, now, now, no, 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 get back, get back. That's good. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. Because I want to talk to these folks. Do not move out of her way. Are you hearing me? In other words, her breakthrough is within the area, but she's going to have to do something. You all hear me. See, some of you, you're waiting for the blessing to drop in your lap, and God is saying, I put you within proximity of your opportunity, but you're going to have to do some pressing. Uh, that's a bad word right there. And, and many of you, you're like, God, why don't you? And God's saying, why don't you? And so now she realizes, if I don't move now, nothing is going to change. And so now she presses through because she says, if I can just, if I can just, if I can look at this, look, if I can just... <laughs> If I can just, if I can just touch the hem of, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. And the Bible says, and the Bible says, watch this, that, that Jesus almost passed by because she snuck up behind him. Touched his garment. Okay. No, you, you, you got to make it. Yeah, <laughs> touched his garment. Watch this, watch this. She said to herself, if I can touch his garment, I will be made whole. Here's a question I want to ask you. What are you saying to yourself? 
What are you saying to yourself? What are you saying to yourself? I'm an idiot. I'll never make it. I'll always be broke. I'll always, I'll never. What are you saying to yourself? Isaiah 65 verse 16 says, uh, blessed is the man who blessed himself. That if you bless yourself, you'll be blessed in the God of truth. While you're blessing everybody else, have you ever blessed yourself? I'm not talking about sneezing and saying, God bless me. <laughs> I'm talking about, have you ever blessed yourself? Have you ever said, I'm the first and not the last? I'm the head and not the tail. Have you ever put your hands on your head and say, I have the mind of Christ? Have you ever put your hands on your head, put your hands on your head and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You just blessed yourself. Thank you, girl. That's my girl. Thank you. Have you ever blessed yourself? Have you ever blessed yourself? Have you ever said, I have the mind of God? Have you ever said God keeps me in perfect peace because I trust in him, because I have my mind on him? Have you ever blessed yourself? I want to pause for 30 seconds and I want you to put your hands on your head and I want you to bless yourself right now. I want you to bless yourself right now. Code of scripture, bless yourself. God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I am a good husband. I am a good father. I'm a good wife. I'm a good uh, 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 mother. I'm a good employee. God's going to use me. My future is bright because God knows the plans he has for me. I am blessing myself. Amen. Is this helping anybody? You need to, she said to herself, she said to herself, I was on uh, vacation. I usually take the month of August off. And it was August of 2012. And Sean Hope calls me up during my vacation and he says, Bishop, there's this church going on sale, but this is the last week it's going to be open. You may want to check it out to see if it's a building we might be interested in. I was on vacation. I was on vacation. But God brings Sean Hope within proximity through the call. Now I have a choice. Am I going to inconvenience myself and leave vacation or take the opportunity so I go and I see the church and I said wow this looks like this could work and then talked to Elder Roy and I think we remember this conversation where we said he said if we don't take this opportunity 
don't know if you remember the conversation. Well, we hate ourselves five years later for not taking it. Because the persons who were selling it said, you're not going to find many church builders in Cambridge. And the price was like, ooh. And then as we proceeded to say, well, let's see if we can you know, possibly do this thing. I'm talking about how God maneuvers. The agent selling the church was Masato. Now, for, the, for those of you who don't know Masato, she was a member of our church. So God was maneuvering. He, he was bringing us into proximity of an opportunity. But now we have to stretch. And as we stretched, God started providing supernatural. Supernaturally. I remember we were... We were $125,000 short for our down payment, and God supernaturally gave us $125,000. Not alone, he gave it to us. My point is, how close are you to what God has for you, but you're unwilling to stretch? Final point, physical illness. Second point, psychological isolation. What is your mind keeping you from doing? What is your thinking keeping you from attempting? What is your thinking saying, well, you know, looking at my bank account, I guess this will never happen. What is your mind keeping you isolated from? And then we talk about the proximity of opportunity. That My point is, is that you got to ask God to open your eyes because he's sending a gyrus to enlighten you to what's around you. I think sad's going to be the day when we stand before God and, we, and God opens our eyes to see. You see, all those things that you thought were against you I was trying to bring you closer to what I had for you. My final point is prophetic rewiring. Again, that point where it says she kept saying to herself. She kept saying to herself. What is your daily confession? She kept saying to herself. One of my daily confessions that starts out with this. Um. This is the day that the Lord has made. Psalm 118, verse 24. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know why I say that? Because if there's a day that the Lord has made, then there's a day that the devil has made. The world calls it the day from hell. Oh, there's a day from hell that is waiting for you. And I, are you with me? And so I have to declare, someone says, you have to, you have to prophesy into your day that no matter what happens, God has made this day. And even though it may look like a train wreck, God has promised that 
that if I if I serve him, I must know, get, get that mind, I know, I know, I know that all things are working together for good to them that love the Lord. I love you, Lord, and them who are called according to his purpose, that even when I don't see it, he's working. So I have to keep speaking into my day that no matter what happens, I will rewire my day. Psalm, Psalm 18 verse 21 says what? Come on, you know it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, that they who appreciate what their words say, you're going to eat the fruit thereof. My mentor, uh, Bishop Ezra Williams once said, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. Take a choice. Charles Swindell once said, uh, not life is 90% attitude and 10% what happens to you. You've heard me say, to, say this before. It's your attitude, not your aptitude that determines your altitude. So you have to rewire, you have to do prophetic rewiring. What does that mean? The word prophecy, uh, it comes from two, uh, words, pro meaning before and, um, let me make sure I give you the right word. Uh, Fanii, uh, P-H-A-N-A-I means to speak. So prophecy, oh my goodness, are you with me so far? Prophecy means to speak beforehand. I could run around this church. Prophecy means to speak beforehand. Prophecy means to speak beforehand. Say that with me. Prophecy means to speak beforehand. What does that mean? You have to speak before the hand of God moves. Mm, that is a bad word. God, I'm waiting on you. No, he's waiting on you. And what struck me is that there's even signs for this. I quote the famous Jen De La Guardia. She said this at our marriage retreat. I wrote this down. She said this. It's scientific. Our feelings will follow the truth that we speak. Our feelings will follow the truth that we speak. Danny, uh, another famous speaker, uh, Danny Tao said last year that it is scientifically proven that if you continue to have an attitude of thanksgiving, you will, re you will rewire your mind for joy. So if you hate the wiring in your house, change it and start with your mouth. Mm. Let me say one more point. This is going to bless you. Know that scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue? Oh, man, you need to give me five, honey, on this one. Do you know that word tongue in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word yada, which means hand. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, but that word tongue in the Hebrew is hand. Which means again that when you speak, something is being created.
Ask yourself for the last 24 hours, what has been coming out of your mouth? I'm going to ask every child to stand, all our children, because they're going to Sunday school. I want you to stand. I want you to put your hands towards these children who are standing. They're supposed to leave at 930, so we got two minutes. I want you to pray over them right now. I want you to speak blessings over them right now. I want you to bless them right now. I want you to prophesy over them right now. This may be the only time that the whole church I know their parents pray over them, but the power of the whole church praying over our children. I am frightened about what I know these kids are facing every day in school. Their peers. This is a moment I take so seriously because James says, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous will, uh, will accomplish much. We're not just speaking in the sky. Hallelujah, Jesus. Elder Nita, could you just say a brief prayer over these children and then we'll release them. Father, we lift our children up to you this morning, and we thank you, first of all, that you love them, Lord God. I thank you that you have a purpose for their lives, Lord, and I thank you that your eyes are upon them, Father. I thank you, Lord, that this will be a good day for them, Lord, as they leave and are dismissed to their classes, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to them, Father through the lesson, through something that is said or taught this morning. Father, continue to be their protection. Thank you, Lord, for being their hedge of protection, Lord. Thank you for being their shield, O oh God, against the, the, the darts of the enemy that are launched against their lives, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that they are wonderfully and fearfully made, Lord. And their lives, Lord, continue to bring blessing and honor to your name. I just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our children are released. God bless you. Come on, let's just praise God, Father. Let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we just, why this shuffling? Can we just worship the Lord right now? Let's just, let's worship him. Come on, let's thank him. We praise you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for opening our eyes. We thank you, Lord, for the proximity of an opportunity that you're, you're, you're bringing us into the right place at the right time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, for some of you, 
you're going through some very challenging situations and you're, you're probably mad at God God why aren't you moving and and what you may not realize is that God is a, using your circumstance to bring you closer to Jesus and closer to what he wants to give you. You may say, what do you, what do you mean, Bishop? The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. Sometimes God has to put us in situations that will humble us. Let me give you a, a new definition of humility so that you'll understand what God is doing. Humble is not holding your head down and walking around like, you know, you lost your best friend. Humility simply means this. It's in the dictionary. It means to recognize your shortcomings. And sometimes many of us don't realize where our shortcomings are. We really think that we can do anything. As a matter of fact, for many of us, uh, God has to mess with our strength in order to show us how weak we really are. Peter, if you remember, he his strength was in his gruffness. His strength was saying, I'm a fisherman. Nobody messes with me. He's the guy who took out a switchblade and cut off the Roman soldier's ear. And yet, God messed with his strength. And he said, before the alarm goes off, you're going to deny me three times. That's bad enough. But he didn't deny Jesus simply in front of a strong man. He denied Jesus in the presence of a little girl. humbled Peter and I believe some of you are going through some situations because God is determined to humble you and you may say well I'm humble enough no you actually don't know you really don't know how many of you have ever played sports played sports on, I mean like on an organized team and how many of you you've had the coach push you to limits that you didn't think you thought the coach was crazy but yet a good coach pushed you to limits that you didn't even realize you could press through amen and, and God is saying I know when you've reached the point of your humility because you think you know but you don't know. Maybe your situation is like this woman where you're, you've been going through so long, but I want to encourage you, eventually the 12th year is going to come and Jesus is going to come by. And you're going to recognize it's him and you're going to grab him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just pray for a moment. I want to see what the Lord wants to do. 
let's let's just pray. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you praying, folks? Antonia, the Lord has, the Lord has just been messing with me about you and your husband. So I look for him, but that's right, you, you'll, you'll do good. I just want you to put your hand on her. Yeah, from the time I walked in, you and Marcel, you're just all in my spirit. I don't know why, but I really hear the Lord saying that your name, I think it's Antonio, right? Okay. You know what that means? Yeah. Priceless. Valuable. Highly Lord is saying it's time for you to press out of isolation. You are ridiculously gifted. He needs you to open the box so that we all get to enjoy the treasure that's in
of salvation. I pray that you would anoint her to worship like she used to worship. Amen. Lord, I, I just sense that the enemy has just stolen her joy. Stolen her joy, but you said, with joy, we will draw waters out of the well of salvation. And Lord, thank you because, like that woman, there's been times where just getting to church is a press. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that she will use this moment even as she's been prayed for and interceded for that, Lord. We need, we need what you put in her. This church needs, she is, I don't even know, I don't even know the gift she has because she has been silent for so long, but I do know by the Spirit that she is a gifted powerful woman of God Father I'm asking you her voice is needed her her calling is needed uh, not simply in this church but in so many lives oh God I pray Lord that whatever lie the enemy has told her whatever the lie that is in her mind I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and I speak in her the mind of Christ she is valuable she is highly esteemed she is priceless so spirit of God I pray for a complete breakthrough in Jesus name amen in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Could we all stand for a moment? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Could you pray for the person next to you, however you feel led to do that? But I want you to pray that in this year of 2020, which of course many people are talking about 2020 vision, that 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 the person who you're praying for won't miss the opportunity that is within their reach. Now just 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 pray, God, help 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 the person I'm praying for. There's an opportunity within their reach, but if they don't see it, they're gonna miss it. Just just pray for the person next to you. If you don't know them, you can ask them their name. But I, I really believe that God is gonna open eyes. God is going to open eyes. And it's going to happen through prayer. Falling out is nice and weeping and crying is nice, but in the final analysis, we're going to be judged by our fruit. We want to see fruit. Father, I just believe that there are opportunities swirling around us opportunities that by your grace you have brought people into our lives 
who have brought us within proximity of our opportunities. But if our eyes are not open, we will not press. We will not press to get a hold of what Jesus has for us. You have sent gyruses in our, to our lives that have caused us to reach things that we would have never reached if that gyrus did not come into our lives and brought us that much closer to the opportunity that God has for us. And Lord, maybe this morning our gyrus is the person who is praying for us that that the one missing agreement is the person who is praying for us right now. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are hearing the, the, the swelling of the prayers of your people rising up. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you. To, thank you that the people of God are really praying that we really believe that you're doing something, whether it's in the balcony, in the main floor, or in the lowest sanctuary. We are calling you, Lord. We're calling you, Lord. Oh, God. Maybe for some of us, it's just prophetic rewiring that this is the day that we rewire how we talk. We rewire how we speak. We will stop saying negative things. We will stop saying, releasing death through our mouths. Understanding that that word tongue is the word yada, which means the hand, that the hand of God is moving through the words that we speak. And we must be careful about how we speak and what we say and our, our attitude, our hearts. That believe is a verb and faith is a noun and we must believe if we're going to have the noun of faith. We must believe. There must be an action of belief. Thank you, Jesus. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you are here, you never giving your life to Jesus and you're saying, well, I know why the Lord brought me here. He brought me here to have an opportunity to grab hold of Jesus who is now within my reach. And if that's you, you want to give your life to the Lord, not, I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus. So you, you know, there's no need for anxiety. You're not joining this church. You are giving your life to Jesus. And I would like the honor of leading you in prayer. You don't even have to leave your seat. You can stay right where you are. But as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you never received Jesus, you never asked him to come into your heart and you're saying, uh, Bishop Brian, I, I, I sense the nearness of God. I sense there's something different in this room and, and I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want to do it now. And, and would you pray for me? And I, I, would, I would love the honor of praying for you. So his head's up bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here and you're saying, I want to receive Jesus into my life, 
could you lift your hand high so I can see it? I just want to make sure I don't miss anybody who wants this opportunity to give their life to the Lord. If you could raise your hand, I want to make sure I don't miss anybody. Praise God. Well, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that that you've given us to open our eyes to now maybe look a little closer around us to see God where what are you bringing me close to so I can see the opportunity that you have for me Father first of all I ask you to forgive us for being angry with you and not even realize that you're working to bring us closer to what you have for us when when Joseph was sold into slavery in part of his house what he didn't realize is that in part of his house you were teaching him how to operate the Egyptian economy and then when he was thrown into prison unfairly you were teaching him how to interpret dreams he always had dreams but he he learned in prison how to interpret dreams and it also was in prison where he met the butler who eventually caused him to meet Pharaoh. And through all those approximations, he ended up being the prime minister of, of Egypt. So sometimes, Lord, our blessings seem to be disguised as curses. And so you need to open our eyes so that we can see that even when we don't see it, you're working. Father, I'm really believing you that I really believe that before winter is over, people are going to start seeing where the hand of God has been moving all along on their behalf. And they're going to remember this day, February 16th, they remember, oh yes, that's what you're doing, Lord. You are bringing me in proximity of my own.